Well, it's a good thing that we're quantum computing experts, so we're going to break down the theory and the science on this show yeah. so you, the listener, can understand. I brought the textbook I wrote. <laughs> You're listening to Pardon the Disruption with your host, Tom Young. Hi, uh, welcome to the show. This is Tom Young. Let's go around the room. This is Bart Gallo. Hey, this is TJ Young. And this is Varhan Kapoor. Hey, we're still here out in San Francisco. We're recording again from the Le Meridian Hotel in San Francisco. Uh, this is the second full day we're here at the IBM Think Conference. Uh, we went yesterday, checked out the scene. We had uh, dinner with some of the IBM crew last night. And uh, pretty good conference, pretty interesting. Um, I think we heard upwards of 70,000 people here. Uh, 47,000. Oh, 47,000. Yeah. yeah, okay, so I got it wrong. But it's still it's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, it uses, they're using the Moscone Center here in San Francisco and some <clears throat> hotel overflow. But it's a tremendous uh, event uh, for IBM. This is their marquee event. And the thing I wanted to talk about today was in the uh, pre-sessions when they had some of the pre-session keynotes, they, they talked about IBM's Q initiative where they're launching a quantum computing platform for commercial and research use. <clears throat> and like blockchain, which is another complicated technology. Quantum computing is probably more complicated in terms of really understanding what it is relative to blockchain. So the, the guy who gave the speech was up there, you know, I'm gonna say 30 minutes or so, very good. And, but I'm, my, I'm gonna guess that if 20 people heard what he was saying, Maybe one in 20, if that, understood what he said. What do, you, what do you guys think of that? Well, it's a good thing that we're quantum computing experts, so we're going to break down the theory and the science on this show yeah. so you, the listener, can understand. I brought the textbook I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think we're going to comment on it because I don't think anyone there was an expert except for some of the scientists on the IBM side or people nodding to make it seem like they understand it. But I think the point we wanted to bring up here is that you know, there's about, I don't know, over a thousand different sessions. If you look at the agenda over the three or four day course of IBM Think, a lot of it's on AI, a lot of it's on uh, blockchain, on automation, heavy on the uh, analytics side as well, and data science, but um, not too much on quantum. I think it just so happened when we walked in, quantum computing was the first one that was just kind of being presented there as a primer for us, yeah. walking into the conference. Uh, I think in future years, you're gonna see more and more sessions on it. Um, but I. It, like blockchain, and I think even worse than blockchain, it's a com very, very complicated subject. Um, what I th I think that IBM would be very well served to, again, I said this yesterday, I wouldn't say dumb it down, but create better analogies and metaphors to explain the science so that people are less intimidated by the subject, mm -hmm. especially customers. I mean, if you're trying to get customers on board, uh, especially the more skeptical ones, you have to have them achieve a level of understanding where they're confident to talk about it to their superiors and the rest of their business. Yeah, I think. Well, so let me, let me just give like the, uh, the very simplest form. So uh, quantum computing uh, gets into using uh, quantum mechanics, um, which is the next wave of fit, uh, physics theory, right? Beyond relativity, et cetera. But basically it, it goes after what's called superimposition and quantum entanglement, which uh, this is a those are long, you know, $3 words. But think of the computers today operate, <clears throat> and I think most people understand this, they operate in a binary form, ones and zeros, right? So uh, a switch is on or off, and then the compilation of that is uh, computer code and machine language. 
What uh, quantum computing does is allow for a three-state system versus a two-state system. And it's, but going, it's, it's not 50% more. It's, it's exponentially more. And as you add uh, more uh, qubits to the structure, you know, you can go, uh, they have five and I think an eight qubit computer. As you move up, that goes exponential. So it's exponentially more than binary. And as you add, basically think of it as adding processors to it, that goes exponential. So it's a double exponential curve. And it's, it looks, it's going to solve very large data set problems that are almost too complex today. So today, applications like cryptography uh, around security, authentication, et cetera, that uses very large prime numbers can be solved very quickly, theoretically, in a quantum computer. So there's a lot of applications that have to do with dealing with very large, complex data sets. But it's, uh, it's a complex field, and I think what TJ was bringing up is we have to understand it, it is a technology that's worth understanding, but right now I would qualify it as in the science realm. It needs to move to the engineering realm, and then it needs to move to a business application so we understand how to make it work so that it's relevant for people. Yeah, I think that's a key point. I agree with TJ um, that IBM definitely needs to make it more accessible. And a big piece of that is the actual business applications. Um, so people can kind of see the end state of what where they're trying to get to. Um, and I don't know whether with quantum computing in the same way um, as we've seen in blockchain, some of the applications, there's a lot of applications of something like blockchain but there's also a lot of applications that people don't even know yet. And trying to explain something they don't really know is kind of the big challenge. So I wonder as this, as this starts to develop, the quantum computing um, starts to become a little more mainstream and hopefully with better content that's a little more accessible, whether people start to understand, okay, I'm starting to get the business application now, I can kind of connect the dots behind, behind that as well. Well, it's. I think it's, a, it's an issue with people, uh, well, I mean, one of the many issues, but one of the one, main ones I see is the lack of understanding of what exponential means. Mm. And I think when, when people here, especially in the tech world here in San Francisco, you hear the, you hear the word exponential more so as a marketing Conference use. title. Or yeah. Oh, we, li we live in an exponential world, exponential AI, right. would be an, ex an exponential entrepreneur. But this is something that truly is exponential. So you brought up before, it's not just ones and zeros, it's also the superposition where the qubits can be a one or a zero. Mm -hmm. And then the act of measuring one of the qubits it forces it into one of those states. So that state of flux adds another dimension. So there's, there's analogies out there, but they need to embrace different ways of explaining it. That, the quote that we cite a lot, and we put this in some of our decks and talking about digital disruption and exponential is one from Ray Kurzweil. So he said that, if, people don't understand exponential if you take 30 steps linearly you get the 30 if you take 30 steps exponentially you get to a billion but then it's only at a certain power again it, it, it's even greater than that as you add more and more dimensions to these possible uh, qubit states and information states and it's going to be i mean you talk about application use mm -hmm. the most general use for this would be uh, use cases that require heavy, heavy compute power. Mm. And the reason this is going to be competitive is because 
uh, Moore's law is beginning to slow down and we can we can't just make transistors smaller and smaller and smaller at some point we're going to hit a dead end in terms of the physical space needed and the science itself is going to have to change if you want to deliver heavier compute power and become uh, more competitive yeah see i also wonder i mean definitely ibm from what we saw yesterday they need to dumb it down or make it more accessible but i also think there's a really key component which is like people actually going out and read there's a lot of resources tj uh, sent through a really great video yeah. an animated video that gave a really good explanation which if you think if you so the kirsch kazagat kirsch kazagat yeah, yeah. so yeah. we'll throw that up, up in the show notes titled quantum computers explain limits of human technology by kirsch kazakt on youtube so right. we'll put that in the show notes yeah. and tj was obviously interested in quantum computing didn't know much about it before watching that video still don't still probably doesn't still knows a fraction of it right but enough to be able to at least kind of converse and learn more so i think there's an aspect where yeah. we have to kind of bring that on ourselves so as well I, i've studied it a decent amount so that i can you know do the kind of uh, general explains but i have no idea what it is <laughs> yeah. I, I, but i know more than 90 percent of the people about it yeah but i still don't understand it in a clear way in the like when we went in to study blockchain, it was a similar phenomenon. Blockchain is very complicated, a lot of advanced math. You get into hashing and things like that and then understanding how proof of work and all that ties into an ecosystem. There'll be a lot of people claiming they really understand it, but when I get into question and answer with them <laughs> or a cross-examination, if you will, it, it breaks down very quickly. So people can drop the jargon around whether it be quantum computing or blockchain, but to really understand it fully, to understand how it applies, is a necessary component to commercialize this from the science and engineering and research labs mm. into the field and understand what that's going to be. And again, we've learned this uh, all the way down to very basic technologies that if you <clears throat> focus too much on the technology, like I have a hammer, where's a nail? You really miss a lot of opportunities uh, to solve problems. Mm. It's, so much, uh, it's so much easier to understand these technologies, put them in your toolkit, and then r go out and research and look how to solve a problem, and then use that tool at the appropriate time. Mm. I can take a wrench and hammer a nail into a board, but it's not designed to do that. Mm. And there's a lot of people out there using wrenches as hammers because they're enamored or fascinated by this new wrench that they have. I think the, the one that the use case I'm most excited about, and uh, sorry for this uh, phrase full of buzzwords, but uh, <laughs> for quantum for scaling AI. So I know it sounds like, <laughs> hey, you know, invest in our platform. But recombinant innovation. Recombinant innovation. But you look at AI, what, what are the roadblocks to deploying it, to training these systems, to proving out the technology, to scaling? A lot of it is around um, training the algorithms, getting test data, and just letting these algorithms, whether it's machine learning, deep learning, call whatever you want, churn through the data to, um, to to teach the AI system to get it better. It takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of compute power. Uh, it's When you look at the actual effort and the difficulties involved in deploying AI, it's less so on uh, what algorithms are we gonna design, it's more so on training the data set, or using, getting data sets first of all, and then using those data sets to train these systems. It just takes, it's a lot of time. I think IBM being so aggressive, uh, you know, investing into Watson, trying to scale that platform to be a you know, world leading AI platform, um, it just makes sense for their portfolio. So I think that's, that, that's you know, being in my case, personal bias, you know, I focus on automation and AI. I think that's what they're gonna be really pushing this towards to train those data sets and scale AI faster than what they're doing now. Hmm. Yeah, so <clears throat> IBM launched this uh, initiative 
I think in the talk they said they had about 100,000 researchers using their platform uh, to test out, uh, you know, different applications and uh, analysis on certain data, data sets. It works really well in large data sets. So I think one of the ones that I want to research a little bit more was the guy used an example of customer segmentation hmm. when hmm. Uh, a typical data analysis wouldn't reveal the, the, a clean segmentation from a, from a mathematical perspective by increasing the dimensionality of the analysis. They were able to clearly delineate one type of customer from another in very complex uh, systems. And so this has a lot. This has a lot of application for insurance, risk analysis, even uh, medical uh, research. So, mm -hmm. but we're we're a long we're we're years away. And in fact, even the guy admitted that this is going to happen in the twenty mm twenties, -hmm. and he was very ambiguous as to which of the twenty twenties. Well, so, even even if it's twenty twenty nine, that's not very far away. No, and and, and because it's such a game changer. Um, it's worth paying attention to. So we are at now 2019. We're one year away from the 2020s. And my guess is this, this is going to be out there in three to five years in terms of the early commercial deployments. So something to pay attention to. I, I, uh, I think it's right that we're going to need to come up with some analogies to help people think through what problem does this solve and how would it apply and put it into the toolkit. Yeah, and where it sits in that toolkit with all of these other technologies that are that are breaking through as well so just like we uh we had our podcast yesterday we talked about how san francisco or the silicon valley uh this whole broader area the bay area is at the center of digital disruption we want to ask you know people why in your conversations with people while we're here for this week um if the opportunity for blockchain or or quantum computing comes up we should ask people if they've heard of it and if they can understand, just to get a sense of it. My guess is we're gonna find out that people maybe have heard of it, mm -hmm. but have no idea what it is. I looked at, you know, and I've been looking at this for some time now. It's not like I just looked at it this week. There's an example like uh, called Schrodinger's cat. You yeah, know, TJ knows of it. That's a superposition metaphor. Yeah, so what, TJ, what, do you, do you, can you explain Schrodinger's cat? So the whole, the whole point of the metaphor is to show that um, it's a, it's a an element of quantum mechanics where a subatomic element could maintain two different states as long as you don't observe it. Observing it meaning, um, observing it, you have to sh affect its state in some way because you know we have to either see it, so that's photons, hear it, that's vibrations in the air. Usually measuring it is shining light on it. And the photon, it, it, we're, we're working at that subatomic quantum level. A photon is a huge, huge impact. So. To measure something that's uh, sitting in two states, a photon bouncing off of Schrodinger's cat or a qubit that's in the superposition forces that qubit to maintain one state at that very momentous point of time. So it, it, the, the whole point is the act of measuring something, the act of opening the box to check if the cat's alive or dead, makes it alive or dead. And, this, and the whole metaphor meaning if, as long as the box is closed, Schrodinger's cat could be alive or dead. I don't even know what I just said. I think, does that make no, any that's, sense? That, that's right. I mean, it, 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 so it's if the tree falls in the forest, uh, did anyone, would you hear it? It's, just, it? it's this notion that observation affects the state. And, and this is true when you get into quantum mechanics. So this notion of, of a system having multiple states in flux until it's actually accessed or used 
It doesn't declare itself. And uh, again, at this point, again, we're down into the deep end without our wow. without our, without our swim fins, and we're going <laughs> to drown soon because we don't know what the hell we're talking about. But it is very complicated. So Schrodinger's cat is an old mathematical uh, example of of super superposition and quantum entanglement. Right. And you get into the, to issues around uh, doing things beyond the speed of light. There's a whole bunch of things that are happening here in quantum mechanics that are pretty radical. And not, but again, it's, it's worth a cursory read. I would say to people, if they just want to know what this is, watch the Kurskazagat video. Kurskazagat does a lot of good videos on different technology subjects. I watched the quantum mechanics uh, one that they talked about in quantum computing. It's very interesting. You'll still come away with a lot more questions and answers. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you're going to have to watch a few videos to get a few different perspectives to kind of plug that gap and, and figure so out what it is. We, we've got a lot of friends at IBM. Uh, they're hosting us here this week, and we're happy to be here with them. They're opening up a um, quantum research facility uh, open to uh, commercial applications in the public. So we'll try to get It's going to be in Poughkeepsie. Uh, New York up in Westchester County, which that, that that is what I think they're doing right. Yeah. So I mean, why keep this a secret? I mean, they already have. They're already a leader in the field. They're already invested. Uh, I've, I've got the co the name of the company. We can look that up uh, for the company they invested in. But Red uh, Hat is it? No, no, oh, for, sorry, the for the quantum computing. computing but yeah. um, instead of just keeping it a secret, they're you know, utilizing crowdsourcing in some way mm -hmm. or just making it publicly available so that they can tap into the potential of the planet mm -hmm. to test out use cases and see what uh, works as opposed to keeping it um, secret and for, you know, the IBM scientists in the back room to work on. So we'll, we'll, we'll get with Chevy and Maureen and see if we can, when they open up the facility in Poughkeepsie, we'll get up there. That's about an hour and a half drive from our place uh, in New Jersey. We'll head up there and we'll do a, a tour and get a sense of what's going on there. I think at some level, you know, the, the, the opportunity for us as we are operating in the environment is, is to help bridge the gap between the science and the business application and help people understand what that's going to be. So any other parting comments on this? I, uh, Kieran just dropped off some wonderful quantum computing <laughs> coffee from Pete's or next door. Thank you, Kieran. <laughs> It was really good. Uh, I appreciate that because I needed that during this. I get the, the morning deep FM voice right now. Uh, anyway, any other parting comments? It's raining here in San Francisco uh, quite a bit. We have a flash flood alert. I wouldn't. Have, I thought there was a drought here in California, but I guess that's over. And it's snowing back in New York, so let's no be good for Napa Valley. Mm -hmm. Actually, good for the grapes. Actually, uh, you know, we're a little off topic, but I would say uh, too much water is not good for their wine. It's, uh, there's some issue about, and we'll hear about this when we get up to Napa, you know, somebody will tell us what the real thing is, but what I heard is when it's a, a little drier, the vines reach down deeper and you get um, deeper in the soil to get the reach out and you get better. Yeah, you want to stress the plant, make it try harder for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. You want the vines yeah. to be in a super position. Yeah, exactly. There you yeah, go. Right. That's definitely not so entangled. We'll do a, uh, a wine podcast from down there. <laughs> that'll, yeah. that'll be really good. Also an expert in that. <laughs> so <laughs> Soon to be. Anyway, we're going to head over to, to day two of the IBM thing, and we'll, uh, we'll probably check in again this week for sure. Mm -hmm. So any other party comments? That's it. All right, thanks very much. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to the show today. Pardon the disruption. If you enjoyed our discussion, I'd invite you to head over to 
our homepage at www.rumjog.com. You can go there and check out our perspectives page and hear more podcast episodes, read some articles. It's some pretty interesting stuff. You can get access also to our digital disruption series. This is a meetup that we do mostly in New York and New Jersey area where we discuss the impact of these technologies on our society and the way we live and work. We do this alongside of industry experts in various fields like crowdsourcing, automation, and blockchain, uh, the, the, the technologies that are disrupting our world today. Anyway, if you like that, you can also follow us on social media uh, at Twitter on the handle at Rumjog. We look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you.